Hello, I'm Mariette Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on how to take good care of yourself and others. Please note that this episode contains a candid discussion of sexual practices and is intended for adult listeners. Today our topic is what to do if my partner experiences erectile dysfunction. My guest is Dr. Jeray Sarfontein from Pretoria, a medical doctor working exclusively in the field of sexual medicine. Hello, Jeray. Hello, Mariette. Thank you for sharing your insights on this topic. Thank you. I'm very excited. Just to prepare our listeners, at the end of the podcast, Jeray will give us her three best tips for communicating about sex, and then it will be fun question time. Now, Jeray, erectile dysfunction is a very sensitive topic, and I would think it's really difficult for a couple to come and see you about this. Yes, no, um, most of my patients, when they come in, it takes about 10, sometimes longer minutes to get to a point where they are comfortable saying what the problem is, to raise the questions they want to ask. It is not always an easy conversation, but it is so relevant and it's so common that I hope everyone after this podcast will be more comfortable to talk about it. Yes, and I think what, what will shine through in the podcast is how at home you are with your field and your topic. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and I think you make it really easy for people who... Have I'm trying. <laughs> uh, what needs to be in place to get a normal erection? So that, I'm glad you're asking that question because if we understand what we need to get a normal erection, then we can identify where things can go wrong. So to get a normal erection, we need healthy blood supply to the penis. So firstly, all the major blood vessels needs to be intact. And also the small blood vessels um, that swells up and fills the penis with blood is very important. So any cardiovascular disease um, affecting that can cause a problem. So first thing is normal blood supply. The second thing is we need healthy nerves for the whole reaction to to happen and your body to react to stimulation. And the third thing that's very important is normal hormones. And for guys, the quintessential male hormone is testosterone. So blood vessels, nerves and hormones. And then when there is erectile dysfunction, what are the causes? So like I said, if we can identify what we need, then we can almost classify erectile dysfunction according to those things. So thinking about the blood vessels, things that can affect the blood vessels are things like high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking. So anything that increases your cardiovascular risk. Then um, hormonal abnormalities such as low testosterone levels can lead to erectile dysfunction, um, nerve problems, for instance, back problems, spinal injuries, nerve impingement, um, multiple sclerosis, those type of conditions can cause erectile dysfunction. But the things I see in my practice most commonly is the cardiovascular diseases, the hypertension, smoking, cholesterol, diabetes, and then the testosterone is also high on that list. So it sounds to me that, that if you present with erectile dysfunction, it could be that you have some, some very important 
a health condition that actually needs to be looked at. Yeah, definitely. So um, we've seen and research has shown it that guys that struggle with erectile dysfunction, their chances of getting a heart attack in the next 10 years significantly higher compared to guys that don't struggle with erectile dysfunction purely because of the cardiovascular relationship between erectile dysfunction and um, the disease process that we see with that. So most of my patients, when we start looking at it, we find a medical cause as um, that leads up to the erectile dysfunction, yes. And when someone comes in and presents with, with this problem, uh, what tests do you have to run or how do you approach it practically? Okay, so practically what I do is firstly I f- I, with a history taking I find out if there's already any diagnosed medical conditions and what medication the patient is taking for that. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned yet is certain medications can also lead up to erectile dysfunction so that's part of the workup. Then the blood test that I would um, advise the patients to do is things like testosterone levels, cholesterol testing, uh, sugar, um, kidney function is important. And did I mention sugar? Yes, I think those are the most important blood tests that I do. Then I check the weight and I look at the blood pressure. That's quite a lot. Do you do that all in, in one shot, all those tests? So I refer to a laboratory for the blood test to be done, and that is as baseline. So yes, with a first consultation, we want to know how those parameters look like and if there's any um, identifiable factor that we need to address firsthand. Right. So if you've looked at cardiovascular causes and you've looked at nerve causes... How do you look at the nerve causes? Let me ask that first. So uh, that is luckily not that common. Um, the, there's certain neurological conditions that um, often present with erectile dysfunction, things like, like I mentioned, the multiple sclerosis. There's unfortunately not a quick identifiable test that you can do to diagnose those conditions. But usually you pick it up out of the history. So there's sensation loss, there's other neurological fallouts that we see. So there's not a lot of neurological problems or nerve problems that primarily affect the function of the penis. It's usually other symptoms that comes to um, that's visible and then you identify it. Mm-hmm. And then it's the hormones. Could yes. you talk about the hormones and specifically testosterone? Okay, so like I've said, testosterone is the quintessential male hormone. And if the testosterone levels start to decrease, all sexual function gets compromised. And most women, or all women, will go through menopause. And we think that guys will also experience that. But not all men will notice a drop in testosterone levels. But the older men get, obviously the testosterone level starts to decrease. And if there's any comorbidities, that just aggravates that deterioration. Could you just explain comorbidities, please? Sorry, so comorbidities are other underlying medical conditions. So... Any basically any medical condition, for instance, high blood pressure, diabetes, or something like that, the chances of a man struggling with lower testosterone levels are higher compared to someone that's healthy. And the older we get, the testosterone starts to deteriorate or the production decreases, and that affects the ability to perform sexually. The problem with the testosterone is not only on sexual function. If your testosterone levels are low, it has knock-on effects. It also compromises your cardiovascular um, your cardiovascular health, general well-being, bone health is important. So it's not purely about sexual function. 
So to which extent would you say that erectile dysfunction is, is a valuable pointer to other health problems? Uh, yeah, I can't put a number on it exactly, but the research has shown that up to 80% of men with erectile dysfunction, the erectile dysfunction is because of an underlying medical problem. So literally my practice, most of my patients, especially the older the guys are, if they struggle with erectile dysfunction, I always identify at least one underlying problem. I see. And then how uh, we'll, we'll get to the psychological side later. But first, if it's not a psychological problem, which I suppose sometimes ties in, could you tell us how you treat it? So even if it's a psychological thing, um, I always tell my patients, regardless of the cause of the erectile dysfunction, the treatment remains the same. So um, we start off what we call um, PDF5 inhibitors. It's tablets that assist with the um, vasodilatation or the blood vessels that open up, and then there's more blood going to the penis. The tablets that we've got in South Africa are Viagra, Levitra, Cialis, those type of medications, and it's on-demand use. So we start off with the oral therapy, and if that doesn't work, then we can go over to injectables, and there's injections that we can, ins the, the guys um, inject themselves at home directly into the penis, also on-demand, and then that re results in an erection. Right, so that's not something you do, I mean, that's not a regular thing, that's on demand. So that's on demand. So the, the main regular things that needs to be done is if there's an underlying problem, we address that and make sure it's optimally controlled. If the testosterone levels are low, then we should start with testosterone replacement therapy. And if... Um, yeah, and then we go over to the on demand, because if you think about it, the reason guys complain about erectile dysfunction is when they want to perform sexually they can't do it so it is an on-demand type of mm. therapy that we do we want to achieve a good erection when it's desired so that's where the oral therapy and the injectables works very well most of my patients react really good to the oral therapies and if that doesn't work then we go to the next thing could you talk a bit about the role of medication that you referred to and the medication for the treatment? No, me medication in general which might affect erectile performance. Okay, so the list is just goes on and on and on and on. Anything that you think about can potentially have sexual problems. So um, what we often see is medication to help with um, enlarged prostate, that sometimes we use medication that relaxes the prostate so that urination is easier and that can sometimes lead to erectile dysfunction. Um, certain medications can have effect on your testosterone levels and as a knock-on that will result in erectile dysfunction. Things like um, diuretics that patients with high blood pressure for instance can use. Certain antidepressants come to mind um, antacids, antihistamines, all of that can cause low libido and if your sexual desire is not optimal then your arousal is not going to be optimal. So I suppose when a person comes to you with this problem, then you would look at the medications they are taking. Definitely. Yeah. And now, I was thinking of, of if your partner suffers from erectile dysfunction, I suppose that creates a lot of emotion and a, uh, maybe it's the thing that no one wants to talk about. So could you perhaps talk about, in the first place, what psychological causes there could be for this or 
on the other hand, maybe it's something that that goes hand in hand with with erectile dysfunction caused by physical causes. So psychologically, the most common thing that we see is a performance anxiety. And even if it's purely a medical reason, um, there's always an associated performance anxiety. Because if you think about it, the first time you struggle to get an erection, the next time you are going to be so worried and anxious about it. So there's a definite performance anxiety leading to the stress that you can't perform. Um, sex is this balance between excitement and, inhibi- and inhibitions. So imagine the seesaw in front of you. Any inhibiting factor is going to suppress excitement, and erection is sexual excitement. So if we can identify inhibiting factors, then we can look at the psychological problems. So those inhibiting factors could be performance anxiety, um, poor communication in the relationship, or a relationship that's not a loving, positive, nice relationship. Um, if there's relationship problems, obviously, sexually, everything is going to be on a shutdown level. Um, work stress, physical stress, such as a recent illness. So there's a lot of psychological inhibiting factors that can physically suppress the excitability. I think I answered the question now. Yes, yes, you did. I was thinking whether it's with this problem, should the man come on his own or should the couple come or what would you suggest? I think it depends on what they're comfortable with. Um, I always tell my patients, regardless where the sexual problem is, that it's never isolated individual problem. As a couple, if you're in a loving, committed relationship with a partner, it becomes a couple problem. So it's nice for the partner to come along just to get the information. And because, like you mentioned just now, it's very stressful in a relationship if one's partner struggles with a sexual problem. Because as the lady, for instance, she might feel that she's not attractive anymore or she's her partner might have another partner or she's got all these doubts on why this is happening so to come in as a couple the 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 wife or the girlfriend or the female partner or if it's a homosexual relationship the partner that's not affected by this can um, just get information and understand where it's coming from and then we focus on the medical aspects and then we deal with the psychological things later on as well. That sounds to me like a very good way to go about it because then I suppose everything is put on the table Exactly. Yeah. It's it's very difficult to to talk about something if if you're in a relationship um, that and you see the other person struggles and you don't know how to approach it. So I suppose the easy way out would be to come to someone like you who knows how to handle the whole conversation and and who often I suppose have the good news for the person the man in, uh, affected that it's a health problem. Yeah. And there's hope. And there's hope. That's good to hear, I think. One more question. If you are the woman in the relationship or the the, uh, same-sex partner and you see that the person with the erectile dysfunction is not happy talking about it and doesn't know what to do about it and is perhaps not willing to come to the doctor, what would you suggest the partner could do? 
Yeah, that I've had that questions coming up in my practice quite a lot, and that's quite difficult because you can't force someone to get help if they're not willing. But I think the main thing is just to be supportive and continue educating yourself. And the more educated you are, then you can subtly give information to your partner that's affected. And my go-to point usually that I tell patients is that, oh, listen, um, I heard this podcast or I found something on the internet or I had this information that um, if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you can get a heart attack. And that is often the driving factor. So it's not about going to the doctor because you are failing me sexually. Go to the doctor because I'm worried about your general health and I don't want to lose you. That sounds a wise way to approach it. Oh, I remember there's one thing I I wanted to ask. One other thing. Uh, You talked about men getting older. Does does getting older always affect erectile dysfunction or does it does it depend on the individual? It depends on the individual. So obviously the older we get, we get degeneration of the blood blood vessels itself. So theoretically we see high numbers of erectile dysfunctions in the older population. So if we look at um erectile dysfunction incidence in the 30s, 40s, 50s and going up, the older the the men get, the incidence of erectile dysfunction increases. But it's not purely an age thing. The older we get, you've got a higher risk of having other medical problems. So it's not just an age thing. It's just that the older we get, there's a big possibility that your testosterone levels drop. There's a higher chance of getting high cholesterol. So it is an age problem, but the age doesn't have a direct effect on the erections, if that makes sense. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Now, could you please give us your three best tips on communicating about sex? So the first thing I want to say is start early in your relationship, because the longer you're in a relationship and you never talk about sex, 20 years down the line to suddenly start the conversation might be quite awkward. So that's the first thing. If you start in a new relationship, start talking about sex early on. The second tip I want to give is that it's never too late to start the conversation. The third thing is don't take things so serious. If your partner mentions something, don't take it personal. Try to see it where it comes from. And this is a loving relationship. And just take, don't take things so serious. Thanks, Jere. Now, it's fun question time. And I was wanting to ask you, if men were able to fall pregnant... <laughs> Which outfit do you think would suit a man around about the eighth month of pregnancy? (laughs) Well, the first thing I want to see is a man that's pregnant at eight months in a bikini. So I think that's (laughs) just going to be bizarre. So it's not going to suit them, but that's just the first first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Jeray is part of the team of professionals at My Sexual Health. And if you Google Dr. J. Sarfontaine, you will find her website, drjeraysarfontaine.co.za. Thanks, Jeray, for taking the time to talk to <laughs> Thank us. Thank you, Mariette. And to our listeners, if you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about.
It would mean a lot to me if you would rate and review Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. Please subscribe to the series if you don't want to miss the bonus episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, Mariette Sneeman, and the music is by Matt-Marie Sneeman. Yes, we are related. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 